1: Welcome to another episode of Flowline. Matt just lost a bet. Yes.
0: <laughs> I bet against Justin because it usually, usually is the winning side.
1: <laughs> for context, our Zoom recorder here, which is not Zoom that probably most of you are familiar with it online, this is a Zoom recorder. Looks like, I don't know, a handheld thing. But anyway, you plug in the microphones, you hit record, but it requires a memory drive. And for some weird reason, it has its mind of its own. A lot of times when we plug in the memory card and I hit record, it doesn't register the memory card. So then we have to do the old Nintendo trick, blow on it, if anyone remembers that. But we made it work today. Matt bet against me. Too bad it wasn't for money. Nonetheless, Matt, how's everything in your world? It, We—it's been I think it's been over a week since we've sat behind the mics here. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'm anxious to catch up, see how the Astros are doing, all the rest of it. <sighs> uh, I was afraid so, of So, I mean, they won yesterday, but like they, they played a series against the
0: Dodgers, It just continues to undermine. Apparently, you don't have to be very good at your job if you want to manage a baseball team. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. It was very frustrating to see that much potential be undermined by Mm. poor managerial decisions and a really underperforming bullpen. So the Astros has been a little tough. It's been very, very hot. I got away, went to Fredericksburg with the wife. Ah. Highly recommend whenever you get the chance. Okay, noted. And whenever I go to Midland, I always joke, people complain about the heat. I'm like, aha, but it's a dry heat. And then snicker and like, (laughs) normally I'll get slapped in the parking lot or something. but. It was much better weather in Fredericksburg relative to the heat of Houston, which I
1: came back to and almost died mowing my lawn and putting together some furniture. So Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good point. The heat is here. It's it's definitely full-blown summer mode. Yeah, I actually was outside as well doing some – I was cleaning the chicken coop. Of course. Uh, which, again – I thought your daughter was going to clean the chicken coop. Yeah, Tell us more. As did I. As <laughs> did I. Well, I knew she wasn't, but I had hopes. And, you know, to her defense, she'll come outside and help sometimes. And it's I've gotten really good at – so at first – I was like, okay, let's have them in this little coop to which then like any animal and human and anything that eats something, but they eat comes out and it proceeded to pile up. And I've never seen ground move like the way I did after I moved the coop that I hadn't moved in about three weeks and the bed of maggots that was creating a movement underneath this pile of doo-doo was about to make anyone hurl. And not to get into the details, and I a little you bit too You set fire explicit. to your backyard. That's <laughs> what I would have done. I would set the whole backyard on fire. <laughs> well, I cleaned it up. I didn't set <laughs> anything on fire, which actually that's not a bad idea. But I got it cleaned up, to which now once a week I commit myself to cleaning it. And I've gotten good at it. Herding chickens to get back in their coop when they like to fly around the backyard, uh, it can be tough, but I've got it down. I've got a net and, and some rakes and I, I'm like hurting them, you know, like going back and forth and then they finally all get in there. But yeah, it was hot and same thing. Uh, I did some yard work there, but I mean, yeah, but it's bearable. I don't know. I don't mind it. You know, growing up in Canada, it's, it's nice to be outside when it's hot like that and it sounds crazy, but you know, again, I don't mind the hundred. It's, it's enjoyable for me. I grew up in it. I think
0: mainly it's just getting older where you're like, wow, I have way less energy to do stuff out here and just kind yeah. of the like you know taking care of yourself looking out for like
1: maybe i should hydrate a little bit or (laughs) yeah you know i can feel it at the end of the day if you don't keep yourself hydrated especially i forget what how much it is but if you're in the texas heat with the humidity and you're outside doing x amount of activity just how much sodium you're like how by perspiring how much like minerals and salt that you lose and how easy it is to Well, how difficult it is to actually replenish it to healthy levels. So for anyone out there, and, you know, this actually goes back. I mean, we've talked about this in meetings, you know, with safety is like making sure you're hydrated as rig hands and stuff like that. Mud engineers, even if you're out on the pits walking around, again, it's super important to stay hydrated. And a lot of times, you know, whether it's like salt packs, like, yeah, Gatorade's great, but, you know, there's better options out there. Although if you do eat a highly processed diet, a diet that has a lot of processed foods, you're probably getting enough sodium, so... Either way, but stay hydrated, folks. That's the moral of the story. And with that said, let's move on to drilling fluids. Unless you have anything else cool and exciting to share. No. No? No. Not until let's, the let's next episode. Let's make the move. Episode. Okay, pivot. Thanks for hanging in there, folks. <laughs> lime and invert emulsions, and not lime like lime and coconut, <laughs> right? There's We add lime and not <sighs> like the lime that you would be adding in your margaritas this summer, folks. It's lime and invert emulsions. And it's although it's not something that is a needle mover for drilling performance, right? Like there's certain properties like density and rheology and, you know, even fluid loss for that matter. There's ones that you can really notice down hole and especially the drillers can notice pretty readily if things are changing. Lime, eh, not so much. So I think it'd be important to dive into why we add lime, also known as calcium hydroxide, into an invert emulsion, why it's important, then hopefully dive into some more detail on that front. Matt, what do you think? I
0: think this is good. I think we we get a few questions about this every once in a while, and, and so it's worth fielding
1: and shouldn't take a long time to explain, but let's unpack it. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. So why do we need, and I mentioned it's calcium hydroxide, so aka it's a calcium source for the mud and mainly the emulsifier, but why do we need that?
0: So you're actually doing some chemistry here in as much as an emulsifier, or, or an emulsifier can be a mixture of different things, right? But remember oil-based mud, we have those water droplets dispersed throughout the oil phase. And how that's done from a surfactant perspective is you have a ratio basically structurally of oil loving and either water not loving, (laughs) but basically one side likes oil, one side likes water, and it has an affinity one way or the other. And those surfactants basically help create the emulsion, they help with oil wetting. They can do a lot of different things depending on what that HLB ratio is. Mm-hmm. And so an emulsifier actually has a bunch of, many of them have a bunch of fatty acids in them. And the structure of that have different HLB numbers. You can get these fatty acids from vegetable oils, plants. We talked about tall oils from basically pine trees effectively, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's a mixture. And so some of them are reacted and some of them are not. So you have reacted fatty acids and free fatty acids. And let's say we give one of those unreacted free fatty acids a little bit of calcium. Guess what happens? It becomes an invert emulsifying surfactant. Mm. It adjusts that HLB ratio in such a fashion that it will behave in the way you want it to. So if you don't add that lime or you you don't add that calcium source, it'll just kind of be there and it might – Not have the right ratio to perform, keep in mind, so like you might not have 100% free fatty acids in your emulsifier. You probably don't. You might have some. Some don't require any calcium whatsoever. They're all reacted, ready to go. But what you do see, and you know, you might see this in the lab. I think we even did a little experiment once just to demonstrate. You'll add lime when you mix fresh mud and your excess lime will be less than... The lime that you actually added, right? So you add six pounds per barrel of lime, and then you go run your excess lime, and you've got three, and you're like, well, where to go? Mm. Well, guess what? That calcium reacted with your free fatty acids, and now it's not available as excess lime. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to come up with an example of this, and you know, come in fatty acids, and fatty is, yes, like fatty acids is the stuff that makes up like fats in our bodies and stuff like that. Right. But you got to think a little bigger than that, than just, but that's why a lot of them come from the fatty components of plants and interesting vegetable oils and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All that being said, let's think of old acid. Okay. So very common. Mm-hmm. When you use aluminum stearate, so you've got alum, aluminum salt with stearic acid, your HLB number is between two and four. And what do we use aluminum stearate for? Defomer, yeah, yeah, right? So fairly common thing. If you had sodium instead of aluminum, it would actually be a surfactant that sort of creates a direct emulsion. So this would be oil droplets dispersed within water. So you're changing the ratio of the oil-loving and water-loving components of the surfactant. But let's add that calcium we've been talking about. Well, now you're in that HLB range of five to seven. Now you're in more of an invert emulsion range. And so this stuff is actually going to put the water droplets in the internal phase and have dispersed droplets in the oil phase. And so what we're trying to do when we have these free fatty acids is give it calcium, get in that HLB range where we want that additive to be, and it will do the job that we sort of asked of it. Huh? No, that's
1: that's a great breakdown. And and one of the things I think that And this is maybe a question that people have had, but I think it'd be interesting, you know, kind of like, hmm, scratch your head a little bit is, so we're talking about, you know, calcium hydroxide, aka lime. It's like, well, you're talking about all this calcium stuff. Well, Why don't just, and again, hypothetically speaking, if all of a sudden calcium carbonate became super cheap and it was way less than lime, could you then say, well, why don't we just use calcium carbonate instead of calcium hydroxide? Like, why would that not work?
0: I mean, the main issue is solubility, right? Like calcium carbonate's great because it's inert and just kind of floats there. Mm -hmm. But calcium hydroxide we know will solubilize. So I'll say never say never, but in all likelihood, you know, I mean, the other thing is lime has this added benefit, right? So it raises the alkalinity of the internal phase of our brine, which we tend to like It does a couple of things. It definitely helps with thermal stability. Gives you a little bit of alkalinity. Not that, you know, we've talked about in the the past about H2S. Like, yes, you have some alkalinity in your internal phase, but really the gas is soluble in oil and you still got a problem. But it is a, a natural response and, you know, something worthy of doing. So there are other sources of calcium you can use. I would just say solubility, getting something that will readily separate from the other part of the molecule and react Right matters as
1: well. Right. So it's not just the calcium, it's that hydroxyl part of it as well. Yeah. it's that the calcium's
0: available because the hydroxyls will. Gotcha. Okay. That's solid.
1: So when it comes to, the, we talk about excess and maybe it'd be important to talk about when, when you say an, an excess concentration, can you explain that a little bit? And then, which would lead into like, how much do you actually need of this stuff?
0: So, I mean, excess lime, right? We do this Titration, what are you doing? You're, you're figuring out the alkalinity of your internal phase. You're saying, well, if it's this much calcium, therefore it's this much calcium hydroxide that's available floating around in there, quote unquote, right. excess. But if you're not able to titrate that calcium, it's because it's already tied up with your free fatty acids, mm-hmm. therefore not available. It's quote unquote spent. And so, you know, the question, how much do I need? It goes back to how much free fatty acid do you have that needs to react? Yeah. My general observation is, or not observation, but my general argument is, if you have any excess lime, you have more lime than, like, it took all the calcium, the emulsifier took all the calcium it needed, right? The free fatty acids got there first. Right. So any excess lime means you've used sufficient lime for the function of the emulsifier. right? And if you already have some reactive fatty acids, it's not like your mud is going to fall apart. It's a huge waste of money, don't get me wrong, like dumping away free fatty acids when emulsifiers are expensive products. Yeah. Put in the lime. It's like really cheap. (laughs) Um, But what you'll find is after that initial mix and carrying your excess, as long as you've got an excess, you're fine. Now, if you go back to the mud program and how much excess do you want because I'm drilling a really high temperature well or I have some other rationale for what my programmed excess lime range is. Yeah. As long as you have excess, your emulsifier is taken care of. The rest of it is going to be your, you know, POM,
1: your alkalinity mud, that kind of thing. Mm, perfect. Is, so having a buffer, does it help by having that excess? If you, like you mentioned temperature, are there any sort of external factors that would eat away at your excess lime to where it maybe is good to have a little bit more on the higher end? You know, whether it be contaminants, CO2, anything yes, like that. Yeah, I mean,
0: acid, gases, and that sort of thing can react, right? And it goes back to that battle of it's probably more soluble in your base oil anyways, but you will see a drop and it is worth, you know, if you drill through CO2, you will use, you will go through a lot of lime to maintain excess. Right. And keep in mind, if it drops below, if your excess lime goes to zero, now you're wasting emulsifier, right? right. So you want to carry some excess, It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be the end of the world if like your mud's not just going to fall apart necessarily. Right. You're going to get horrifically inefficient. So you definitely want that excess. It's just, if you have any extra, you've got enough for the function of the emulsifier. And then kind of going back to some of the things you're pointing out, like very high temperatures, you know, higher alkalinity limits, oxidation, breakdown of surfactants and other things. So like Mm. that can be helpful to add some like thermal stability. When you're using conventional products and drilling a really hot well, you tend to go through a lot of lime because you're always trying to keep it up and it's always wanting to go down. So, you know, there's two answers, right? What does my drilling environment dictate that I need for excess? Yeah. And how much do I need to make sure I have any at all for the functionality of the products I've got available? Gotcha.
1: Makes sense. I mean, that sums it up nicely. And again, it's not, not a whole lot to dive into, but at the end of the day, it's a product that is absolutely required, like, we've, like you've alluded to. And it has some sort of kind of some different functionalities. Again, I don't have any other questions on that, Matt. Any, any thoughts or anything else to add before we close out?
0: No, I mean, I, I think this just comes up often enough. And, and I wanted to point out, you know, it's not necessarily catastrophic with some of these products because of those of reacted fatty acids. Mm-hmm. But- you definitely want some excess lime in there, if, yeah, if you can, and well, it's a cheap. We're not asking a lot to do this, right?
1: Right, and I guess the only thing I would add is, this looking at it from sort of putting my field boots on, is I've had company representatives on the rig ask me, like, why do you need lime, or like adjust the pH, like what's the pH of this, and then is there any lab, you know, lime for pH, and and so hopefully this helps <laughs> be able to break that down and clear the air, but. Matt, if you were to have a field representative ask you why you need lime instead of getting into the hydroxyls and the HLB, you know, this, that, and the other, what would be the most simplistic way to explain why you're adding lime?
0: First and foremost is that the calcium enables part of the emulsifier to function. Perfect. Perfect
1: enough said great answer for all the listeners out there if you have any thoughts or questions or if you'd like us to elaborate on lime and invert emotions we'd be happy to do so and with that said folks appreciate all the support please leave a review subscribe follow us on linkedin if you could that would be great we got a lot of great content out there share this one with a friend or a mud engineer who you've maybe had the question posed to you this would be great to share with people to educate them on drilling fluids Appreciate all the support. Folks, be safe out there. Stay hydrated. Take care for now. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.